podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. The boys are back, and sadly, it is just me, Scott Wildcat, here. Um, but don't worry, the next episode we have is going to be a QA episode that Grant will make his return, and we're going to have special guest. Dr. Short from Kansas City Direct Primary Care. So send us in all your hashtag Ask Bosco questions and ask any uh, medical questions. We're going to have a great doctor on with us. So if you have any questions, uh, bring them in. Use hashtag Ask Bosco. We're not going to be able to find it if you don't use it. Hashtag Ask Bosco on Twitter. And we're going to get to those questions Midweek next week, I believe we will be recording on Tuesday, release on Wednesday. No quick take, hot take Monday for the K-State Baylor game. Unless K-State wins, then I might say screw it and hop on and give an instant reaction to taking down number one at home. We'll see if there's any sort of a octagon of doom magic. Before we get into the episode, as always, we are presented by mybookie.ag. Use promo code chair for your 100% deposit match up to $1,000. Um, I don't believe I will release this before Super Bowl, the Super Bowl Chiefs versus 49ers, the big game. But if I do, there's still time to get over there. They have all sorts of insane prop bets. And guess what? Uh, just because you're not over there for the Super Bowl, there's all sorts of college basketball, NBA, uh, the NBA All-Star game. Uh, the Rising Stars game, the dunk contest. You have all sorts of props over there. I think they even have stuff for the celebrity game. So NBA All-Star Weekend is going to be a big one over there, and that's right around the corner as well. Um, and then you got baseball. I mean, they they literally have everything. So get over to mybookie.ag, use promo code CHAIR, for your 100% deposit match up to 1000 Dollars. All right, let's get into it. Um, the biggest news uh, since we brought you the instant reaction of the win over Oklahoma, of course, is men's basketball losing on the road at the number 12 the ranked West Virginia Mountaineers. Only a nine-point loss. The line was 13. So, um, you know, it could have been worse. This is this has been a horrible season. There's no getting around it. Um, sitting at nine and twelve, it's not what any of us wanted. Um, but not getting blown out. They coming into that game over the last, I believe the stat was over the last four games, had won by an average of twenty six points. West Virginia is a good team. The fact that we smoked them at home. Uh, was a massive deal, but going in there shorthanded in Antonio Gordon's final game of suspension, um, not getting much from your quote-unquote big three in Cardi, Xavier Sneed, and Mack, 
and finding a way to get out to an early lead, fight back from a massive deficit. Um, there are some things you can take away from it. I think any fear of this team completely quitting and shutting down, I think we're being I think we've gotten to the point at least unless something else happens, you're not gonna see it. They are out there, they're fighting, and they're not laying down even when it could easily happen. I mean, getting down 14 early, you could have easily just, you know, said, all right, you know, see you guys in Kansas City at the Big 12 tournament. Um, It is what it is. But they kept fighting. They kept going after it. And uh, you can take some good things from that. But, again, I've never been one to claim moral victory. I'm not going to start now. That's not what you want to see. Uh, If you are going to point and cherry pick some stuff that was really good, in my opinion – Uh, The first name I go to is David Sloan. He played 29 minutes. And again, we've seen the new starting lineup. It's going to be David Sloan, Dejuan Gordon, Montavious Murphy, Xavier Sneed, McCall Maywean. I believe that is what the starting five should be for the entire season. So I'm happy to see Bruce sticking with it. I have no reason to believe he's not going to go away from that. Um, Because I think David Sloan truly is finding... His footing, his defense is getting better. Uh, He played, like I said, 29 minutes. He had 13 points. He only turned the ball over once. Had two steals, three assists, two rebounds. Uh, Went 5 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. That is the type of line you want to see. Again, um, when the team shoots 36% from the field and 17% from three, uh, everybody should be more efficient in shooting the ball. So, uh, again, that goes for David Sloan as well. But, again, just a take under 50%. Um, he had the best shooting percentage outside of Montavious, well, and Levi Stockard. But out of guys who shot the ball at least four times, he had the best uh, shooting percentage on the team. So, he's not one that you need to harp on that much. And I think David Sloan finding this groove, finding his game is going – to mean a lot to this team next year. Um, We're only going to get younger. We're only going to get more experience. So having a guy who is now finding his groove and hopefully keeping that groove for his senior season is going to be massive if this team is going to get back to postseason play and maybe have a shot at going to the NCAA tournament next year. Um, I mentioned it, Montavious Murphy, one of one for the longest time. He had the only three points Uh, For this team, he also dealt with foul trouble. A lot of guys dealt with foul trouble. He only played 23 minutes, um, ended with four fouls. He was able to only grab one rebound, and that's not what you want to see from him. Uh, He had a steal as well, but you really want to see Montavious Murphy be a guy who's grabbing, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rebounds a game. Uh, especially if now he has pulled back the reins on how much he's going to shoot. Again, you like to see that three-point shot. He's starting. To, he's gone a couple games in a row hitting one of those. Hopefully he can get back to it because his three-point shooting percentage, I think, was sitting around 22% coming into the game. So you'd like to see his game develop and get to the point where you can look to him to be a 35 38% three-point shooter to go along with the game he obviously has down low. Um, this was not a team where he could – exploit how smart he is down low because West Virginia has like four or five dudes 
down on the post playing defense who will just completely mug you and send your shot into the third row. So again, after a full off season and the strength and conditioning program, I think you're going to see his body transform and get to the point where going up against anyone in the big 12, you can pencil him in for at least six points down on the blocks. But again, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic with him. Dejuan Gordon, two of five from the field, 30 minutes. He led the team in rebounding. He got eight rebounds. He got a steal. He got an assist. He only turned the ball over once. Ended up with seven points. Again, a decent stat line for a true freshman. I don't know if we're going to ever get that game where Dejuan Gordon goes off for like 30 points. He's had moments. He's had stretches where he starts lighting up the scoreboard. But we've yet to see a sustained game from him beginning to end doing that. And I th- Again, I think that's all right. Uh, at this point in the season, it's, it's all about learning and hopefully he can get one or two of those games when it's all said and done so he can have something to build on hold his hat to and kind of show folks what we can expect and hope for over the next three years of Dejuan Gordon but that's not a game I'm ever going to truly get too upset with um, where we're going to get a little upset Xavier Sneed leader of the team he's the guy who at, you know at different points of the quote-unquote big three and big 12 play, he's the only one who's had a stretch of consistent play. But last night was just disgusting. Two of 13 from the field, zero of seven from three-point. In no world do you win that game versus a quality opponent where Xavier Sneed is putting up that stat line. Um it's disappointing to see. He ends up leading or being the second leading scorer with 11 because he went seven of 10 from the free-throw line. But... That sort of lack of efficiency, especially in at his usage rate, 13 shots, you know, that is 33%, close to 33% of just, uh, yeah, a little around 30% of the total team shots. That's bad. Like, <laughs> there's no getting around it. Uh, 0 for 7 from 3 when the team shot, 3 of 17, that is... I don't know, man. I that just that just hurts to see Xavier Sneed do that in a game where we depend on, which is every game. Um, if you're gonna do it, okay, being on the road versus a top, you know, fifteen type team, that's fine. You're probably not gonna win it. Hopefully, he gets this out of his system because if Casey is gonna find a way to maybe sneak into that six seed in Kansas City for the Big Twelve tournament, and not have to play on the first night. Um, Xavier Steen's going to have to do more than that. When you start playing some of these teams, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, I think you get Texas Tech one more time. Uh, you get Texas at home one more time. These games that you want to win where you can stack on wins versus the bad teams. And if we're going to upset any of these teams, you know, Baylor, Iowa, or Baylor, KU coming into Bramlage, he cannot have games like that. He he just can't. And that just kind of exemplifies what this season is because then you look to the other quote-unquote big three. Mac, again, plagued by foul trouble, one of three from the field. He did get six rebounds, good for him. But then Cartier Jada, 22 minutes, three of nine from the field, eight points. Again, I think personally roster spots or at least playing spots four through eight have probably been enough this season 
to have been an NCAA tournament team. Some folks might disagree with me. Some folks might say, Scott, you're on crack. No one has given enough. But I think that spots four through eight consistently have given enough for this team to be an NCAA tournament team this year. What it comes down to, though, is Xavier Sneed, McCall Maywean, and Cartier Jada not giving us what we hoped for, what we thought for, what Bruce probably thought he was going to get. And that sucks. Uh, And I think some of it comes down to media fans, even Bruce and the coaches, hyping up these three, saying, hey, you know, they have the experience. They've shown in spurts what they can do. We've seen what the peak of their game is. Now that we need it week in, week out, it's just going to translate. Well, that's not how it works. Um, For better or worse, uh, you can't just snap a finger and say, hey, we are now the big three. We're going to get it done week in, week out. And because those three aren't able to give you what Barry, Cam, and Dean did, which is unrealistic to think that they could have, that's why we're in the position where we are. Now, moving forward, do we think that between, you know, Dejuan, Montavious, and Antonio, they're going to be able to do that? Or amongst, you know, Selton Miguel, Luke Kasuki, Nigel Pack, uh, Davion Bradford, and anyone else they find a way to bring in next year, do we think that they're going to be those guys? I, again, I'm not sure. Eventually, someone has to. So th- there has to be some sort of a seemingly trio who between the three are going to get you close to 50 points a game because that's just the way Bruce's teams are built. Again, maybe not 50 points, but maybe 40 points. And then the supporting characters help get you up to that 65, 70 point spot because that's where this team needs to live. Offensively, we don't ever need to be a team that scores consistently 75 to 80 points a game because the defense is always going to be there. And again, 66 points versus West Virginia, that's not the end of the world. I think that we played decent enough defense. We turned them over 15 times. We forced them to really depend on their guy, Culver. He had 19 points. The most anyone else had was eight points. It wasn't a bad defensive game. You know, the defense is not what is lacking for this team. Yes, there have been moments where it's been bad, but it's still what you can hang your hat on as being decent. Um, is is that enough to win games? No, not when you're going to score 57 points. You know, that's – there's going to – you're going to have to put in a world-class – elite level of defense to win a game when you score 57 points and they just weren't there on Saturday. There have been times where it's been there in the past, even, you know, the game versus Oklahoma for about 35 minutes of that game, it was elite level defense, um, but it, it wasn't quite to that level yesterday. So it is what it is. You're staring down a very uh, interesting week. Uh, big Monday, 8, 8 p.m., ESPN2, you're playing the number one team in the country, Baylor. Um, some folks would be like, man, it sucks that there's such a quick turnaround. You don't get much time to prep for them. That's honestly, in my opinion, fine. Maybe I am not holding enough hope. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to this team, but I don't see us beating Baylor. So I enjoy having rest of that week 
to prepare and get ready to go to Ames because that road game versus versus Iowa State might be one of the last opportunities you get for a road win rest of the season. You go to TCU in a couple weeks, maybe that might be the one. But finding a way to win at Iowa State would be massive for this team to then get momentum because then you turn around and you get Oklahoma State at home that following Tuesday. And then, like I said, you're at TCU – gives you a shot to just basically say, hey, can we stack together maybe a mini winning streak of three games and then see what see what happens? Because then after that, you're at Texas Tech and then you get Texas at home. If you could go on a four out of five, you know, run of wins, that would be massive for this program, for this team, for these young players to show that they can string some stuff together. So that's really where I'm going to be looking at. But that said, I'd completely mailed away the idea of being West Virginia at home. So crazier stuff has happened. Crazier stuff will continue to happen. So we'll see what's going on. Um, Bruce continues to beat out on the recruiting trail for the 2021 basketball class or the 2020 class and 2021. Um, So you're going to continue to see young guys coming into this program uh, ready to compete, ready to play. So getting another marquee win would, in my opinion, be, you know, just a cherry on top of what's been going on on the recruiting trail. We will transition into a little bit of football recruiting. As always, check out our friends K-State Online. They have everything football recruiting, basketball recruiting, and just the pulse of the program covered like nobody else in the business. But the most recent recruiting uh, win for Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats come up in Iowa, and they have been offering and recruiting the state of Iowa real hard. Anyone who has been listening to this podcast for a while knows, or following recruiting for a while, knows how great the class of 2020 was in the state of Kansas. Well, the state of Iowa is having that type of a class in 2021. They have a very, very, very high level of recruit in their state this year. Again, for some of these smaller population Midwest towns that are not going to be giving you blue chip class every single year, like Texas, like your Ohio's, California's, Florida's, etc. It comes and goes. It ebbs and flows. Kansas this year, Iowa next year, uh, Missouri the following year, Arkansas the year after that. Uh, It ebbs and flows, and being able to have the relationships in those states like Chris Kleiman is developing is massive because when the time comes that, hey, this is a big year in the state of Iowa, Chris Kleiman's able to get in there and to grab a guy or two uh, because – it's not just Iowa and Iowa State and you know Nebraska going in there. This year you're going to see Oklahoma's, Texas, USC's coming into the state of Iowa. So being able to grab one early in Jaden Williams really is a big thing. He is the fifth guy from the 2021 uh, class. He's in the Rivals database as a running back. But this is a guy who, depending on the needs of the program when he gets onto campus, he could be in the running back room you could see him move out to linebacker maybe even safety that might be a bit of a stretch but I know that his athletic ability is what got him his K-State offer not necessarily him as a running back Um, and I think it was very smart to get him signed up and committed when we did Iowa Iowa State 
uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, all these schools sniffing around. They were really trying to get him to camp this summer in the camping circuit. But being able to get him to commit to K-State in the winter, I think his official commitment came on the last day of January. That just shows the ability to get the yes from these kids when you want them. And that is an underrated part of the recruiting staff at K-State and Taylor Bratt specifically, being able to get the yes. Because if a kid visits and, you know, he leaves and he's gone for, you know, a couple months, all of a sudden it's not as fresh. Getting the yes when you need it is a massive massive trait that this staff has. Like I said earlier, this is the fifth commit in this class of 2021. It's still early in the class. And again, I, we got all hyped up at different points during the 2020 recruiting cycle because we got commits early and inflates your recruiting uh, ranking nationwide. Um, so I'm going. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. I'm not going to be declaring this is going to be a top 20 class. But currently, they are based on rivals. One of those, you know, top 25 classes in front of the likes of Alabama because of the quality of kid we've been able to get early and the number. Um, that's is that going to stand? No. I don't believe K-State's going to bring in another eight to ten four-star kids, which is what it would take to have one of those top 20 recruiting classes. But I do think the quality of kid they're bringing in, these very high three-star kids, these guys with real offers, um, and maybe there might be another three or four or uh, another four-star I think that amongst K-State's current class, I think you're going to see someone maybe like a Dorian Stevens or a Devontae Pritchard pick up that fourth star from Rivals to give you a second one to go with Rubley, the quarterback out of Colorado. Uh, so that this is what you want to see. Again, we went so long in the Bill Snyder era not following a school that recruited like a power five school and we're finally starting to see it and we're starting to see with the ability to build relationships to connect to these kids to ident identify the ones that they want and then get the yes that this myth of you can't recruit high quality kids to manhattan kansas truly is just a myth i i'm getting to the point where i think in you know the 2023 to 2025 uh cycle these times that k-state is going to be that program that pushes oklahoma um, and may, who knows what's going to happen with Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, etc. But it's going to be in that conversation of who is going to be playing in Arlington for a Big 12 title. I truly believe with the staff Coach Kleiman has, the development we've already seen, and the quality of kids that they're bringing in, we are going to get back to that level. And I wasn't always convinced of that. I, I came around by the time Coach Kleiman was hired, and I thought, hey, this is going to be a good hire. We're going to be going to bowl games more than we're not. He's going to run a clean program. But I'm getting to the point where there's no reason not to expect Big 12 title game appearances in you know, conversations of being a top 20 team year in, year out. I, I truly believe that he is recruiting and developing and has a staff that we will get back to that point, and that is so exciting. Granted, with the game of college football, it takes time to get there. We're going to have probably, you know, 100 shows between now and when the season starts, and 
well, I'll go roller coaster high and low, whether I think we're even going to go to a bowl game next year or maybe even win eight games. You know, anything can happen. It's going to be a roller coaster. But I truly believe that this man and this coaching staff is doing what it takes. It's laying the foundation work to get back to the point where you can talk about K-State football as a top 20 program, as a Big 12 title contender. And then from that on, you know, anything can happen. Win the Big 12, anything can happen. So I'm more, I'm so excited. And a lot of it is based on the quality of recruit and what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail. Um, and friend of the show, uh, Taylor Bratt, he's spearheading it. For this most recent one, Jaden Williams, he was the lead when he had his official visit. Uh, Taylor Bratt is a treasure for K-State Athletics, Kansas State University, and K-State football and I think Gene Taylor, Chris Kleimania do whatever they can to keep that man uh, inside the recruiting offices until, you know, Taylor decides to hang it up. He is that important. So that's all we have for kind of the uh, everyday news. If anything crazy happens on Monday in that Baylor game or something pops up uh, between now and our Q&A episode, we'll do an emergency episode as always. Um, but before we uh, get off on this episode, I do want to say uh, Super Bowl Sunday, whether or not we release this before the big game or after the game on Monday, it's a big thing for K-State football because they are – the third most represented school in the Super Bowl with Byron Pringle, DJ Reed, and Elijah Lee. You have three Wildcats playing in the Super Bowl, all three going for their first Super Bowl ring. And all three guys took a lot of heat from some K-State fans when they decided to leave college early to begin their professional careers. Um, That's something that... I've, whether it's been with the show, whether it's been on Twitter, uh, anywhere, that I've always backed, defended players leaving college early to go get their money as soon as they can because their professional career has a finite amount of time. And especially for all three of these guys who are on the older end for being college players, leaving early and starting that clock, getting that money is a very smart move and a massive thing that all three of them did. All three of them caught some heat from K-State fans, but all three of them have carved out their niche in the NFL and they're making impacts on the best teams in the NFL. Uh, I think that is something K-State fans should be proud of and something that, you know, there's, there's no hiding it. I've been very critical of Bill Snyder, and I'm sure that all three of those guys would be wouldn't say just glowing things about Bill, but something that I think is obvious that he and his program did always prepare guys to be their best version of themselves, whether they're playing professional football or whether they get out of the game completely and then they go on to, you know, as the old NCAA commercials say, go pro in something other than sports. And I think that these three guys, none of which are NFL All-Pro or Pro Bowl-type candidates, but glue guys, special teams guys, nitty-gritty guys, guys that, you know, for better or worse, there's the perception of K-State football, um, but they do it at the highest level possible for the best teams possible. And I think that, you know, Bill Snyder does deserve some credit. These three men deserve credit for betting on themselves and, you know, 
hit not not hitting the jackpot, but hitting nice paydays, hitting massive moments with their teams. And I love to see it. Again, I'm all in on Byron Pringle. I'm all in on the Chiefs. I hope people are listening to this and they're hungover from celebrating a Chiefs victory. But regardless, a Wildcat will be getting a ring after this NFL season. And I think we need to applaud all three of those guys for making bets on themselves and winning and tipping our hat to Bill Snyder for running a program to set guys up that, hey, even if you're not a star, you're willing to do what it takes to help the team on special teams and specialty packages and going the extra mile for your team. And that's helping these guys out in their professional careers. So we're going to end on that high note. Again, please tweet us your questions. Use hashtag AskBosco. And we will be coming to you midweek with our February Q&A episode. Uh, It's going to be a fun time. Um, Like I said, hit us with the questions. Use the hashtag so we can find it. Uh, shout out to Grant. He'll be coming back midweek. And we'll have, like I said, our special guest, Dr. Short from Kansas City Direct Primary Care. So give us all your medical questions as well. Uh, we love you guys. Hopefully you're celebrating a Chiefs Super Bowl when you're listening to this. And hopefully we can shock the world on Monday. Uh, go Cats and meet uh, Grant at the Cathead. Sports Social Podcast Network.